Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. You're listening to the BBM Global Network with 25 years in broadcast audio and video production. Our passionate team creates content and marketing for the world of Internet talk radio. If you've got a passion, come join us at BBMGlobalNetwork.com. The BBM Global Network. Your voice is now heard. Attention Matters with your host, Alice Aspen March. Alice is here to discuss why the kind of attention we get and give to others is vital and impacts our behavior and our feelings. People can remember forever the kind of attention they got from teachers, parents and grandparents, dentists, from everyone in their lives, especially when it feels good and or feels bad. Alice is here to give you tools to intervene in your attention factor. So please welcome the host of Attention Matters, Alice Aspen March. And happy Tuesday, everybody out there. We are alive and well, and we're on Why Our Attention Matters, brought to you by BoldBraveMedia.com, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and several other platforms. This is your host, Alice Aspen-March, and I have a superb guest today who I've known a very long time, and she continues to amaze me. That's why she's back for a second time. Her name is Donna Sarah Malamud. Welcome, Donna. Hi, Alice. I think I've known you more than half my life. (laughs) Maybe you... (laughs) Oh, boy. I love to start a show by laughter. Listen, you've done so many wonderful things. I wrote on Facebook today that... Let me finish, please. I wrote on Facebook this morning that when I first met you, you were a partner in a wonderful book show, a book, a bookshop named Eyebrows. Remember? Book, eyebrows Books and Coffee House, a co-creator. That's right, That's right. in but Detroit, later, Michigan. I'll tell you why, later, what? I'll tell you why laughter is so important. And we'll I know. Do 45 seconds of laughter. Well, I knew I've known that since I interviewed Norman Cousins in Detroit, Michigan. Oh, you know, I remember. He, he established in hospitals laughter rooms because it does all kinds of good things for your immune system. Now, yep. I want to ask you a question, Donna. Why did okay. it? Took, it was a, a great question. Why have you written me that it took breaking into prison to find yourself? What do you mean, lady? 
Okay. Um, it, it, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up till I got to 60 and broke into prison before that, actually. Breaking into prison for me wasn't an easy thing, which it isn't for anybody, but um, what I mean by that is I get to volunteer in prison. And when I found myself the first time in prison, which was over 10 years ago, I was in a wheelchair and I didn't know what to expect. And we were in a chapel because the group I went in with was a Jewish group. And two women came, one on each side of me, and just kind of looked at me and said, would you like to sit with us? And I couldn't say no, but I sure didn't know what to expect. And I sat with them, and they turned out to be two of my best friends. Um, inside and then when they got outside. Um, one of them was in for 28 years innocent for killing her husband and the other was in for 33 years innocent for killing her husband. Not everybody in prison is innocent, that's for sure. That's a misnomer that when I first started doing prison work, people would say, oh, everybody says they're innocent. Nope, people really admit to people who come in like me, volunteers, that when they're not innocent. And it's very, very difficult to be in prison when you're innocent, and it's almost impossible to get out. My friend who got out after 28 years actually had a writ of innocence from the federal government for 15 years, and it took the next over 10 years, maybe over 15 years, for her to be released as innocent from a California fed, uh, state prison because the state doesn't want to admit they made a mistake. My other oh. friend who got out innocent got out after 33 years. And if anybody ever asked me while they were in for so long, well, how do you know for sure they're innocent? First of all, I know from their character um, one I know because she had a writ of innocence from the federal government. The other, who was really a best friend who we recently lost to ALS two years after she got out, um, which was just very recently, uh, was could have been out of prison because she got a sentence of, uh, I think it was 15 years to life or something. So after 15 years, she was able to come up before a parole board and she didn't because she was claiming her innocence and as long as you're claiming your innocence they don't give you a lot of help and they don't want to see you at board hearings because they don't believe you could possibly be innocent how did they get in that position did they did they tell you what drove them to even appear to have murdered their husbands Oh, really? Well, I'll, I'll, okay. Uh, Donna also works with immig immigrants in San Diego. And, uh, you know, it, my, my whole work for the last 33 years has been about attention. And when these women who are in prison get people who volunteer to treat them as human beings and listen to them and look at them, and hear them 
that is attention of the finest order. Now, she's also worked with the Actors Gang prison program, uh, which is a drama group. I'd like to ask her how she learned about that program. Is she still... What's that? I lost power, but I'm back. Oh, good, good. I, 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 I want to go on... The question I asked, thank you for coming back. The question I asked you, Donna, was do you have any idea of what drove these women to even be in a position uh, of murdering their husbands, of people thinking they did that? What, what was in the marriage that was so awful? Or what happened? There was nothing necessarily in the marriage that was so awful. Our prison system has to be changed. And these were in the 80s, and when they, when they were accused of it because they were the ones who were closest, one wasn't even in the state when she was accused, the one who had a federal um, writ of innocence. So you don't necessarily have to be even um, a possibility of guilt, which I'll tell you about um, when I tell you about the UCLA prison education program and about what it's like black. You definitely, if you're black, these happen to not be women of color, but if you're of color, you really don't need an excuse to be put in prison. But um, many times juries are rigged, systems are rigged, um, uh, in this particular case, I would say that the government system was not looking at correct evidence. Um, I would say that um, the government and the jury really failed these two people and many people that we know. And there's a whole innocence project that um, goes for the with the DNA that has been finding people innocent for years now. And I mean, hundreds of people innocent through DNA. Um, so there are a lot of people now looking back at cases and you will be hearing more and more about people who are being found innocent because of um, Juries misunderstanding because of witnesses lying, um, you name it. I mean, we watch these TV shows. That kind of stuff really happens in the real world. And so you go in as a volunteer. Do you go in by yourself or do you go in with a group? Because you're obviously making a difference in these people's lives with the attention you're bringing on this and the friendship you're bringing to these women. Oh, my God, yes. I mean, attention. Alice, if you want to talk about how your attention matters, if you still lived in California, I'd drag you in with me after COVID, and we get to go back in. Attention matters so much in prison. Okay, so just in the group I'm in, and I went in as a Jewish volunteer. So we have someone who's in charge of us, and then we have a rabbi who is in charge of our program. The programs we offered before COVID, weekly yoga and trauma yoga. And I have a hysterical story about yoga. The woman um, who's been, who did it for at, over 10 years, and this is all volunteer work in our, for us, for our um, Jewish programs. And a lot of the programs in prison are, Jew, are volunteer work. 
Um, so uh, the yoga story is they had a yoga day, and they were getting everybody quiet, and there were like 50 women in the room because I'm in a, in a woman's prison. And they were just starting to meditate, and when we go in, we have to, once we're an established volunteer, we get um, a, a, we get a personal alarm because they want us to stay safe. Although when I go in with my women, they stay, they keep me safe. I feel totally safe around them. Um, and this personal alarm looks a little bit like a garage door opener, and you can easily press a button. So. Uh, the woman who's in charge of the yoga, and she's a great yogi in L.A. that you may even know from your days in L.A. She got everybody quiet and was just getting ready to start yoga, and she pressed the alarm. And the alarm goes off, and I don't, I don't, it's not a silent alarm. The alarm isn't that, the alarm is so loud, but it alerts all the guards that something's wrong. And the whole place got filled with guards standing there and all the women tensed up and lost all the um, relaxation and the good feeling they were getting until the guards saw that it was a mistake and left. Um, one of the things we do when we go into prison, and it's a huge thing that I do, is I want everybody inside to not remember where they are. I'll do meditations with them, and I'll take them boogie boarding with me in the ocean, and they'll come up to me afterwards and say, oh, my God, I haven't been to the ocean. And they'll tell me stories about being the ocean 20 years ago, 30 years ago, because I'll get it to the point where I talk about the, the smell of the ocean, the taste of the ocean, the salt in your mouth. They, they really then get a picture of it. So I give them pictures of places where I go. Um, so we have yoga. We have Sabbath services. We have Jewish holidays. We're in there for every Jewish holiday. I have done everything one does on a Jewish holiday in prison, whether it's the high holidays or listening to a shofar or building a sukkah, a booth that we build on one of our holidays or eating hamantash and eating the three-cornered pastries that we eat on Purim or one holiday, one Purim, I went in and I got at the front desk. They told me I couldn't wear my costume in, so I put it back in the car. So when I got in, we made paper jewelry so that people could feel like they were decorated some because it's a holiday when we dress up. Um, I also am involved. There, we also had a EFT tapping that someone would come in and do. Uh, we also did some 12, we, we were doing 12 step meetings. Uh, we also did restorative justice, and those are just our programs, but the prison offers also, we train puppies and service dogs in, in our prison. There are a, um, AA courses to get your AA. Um, I'll talk about the actors gang comes in and does theater. Um, the UCLA Prison Education Program I'll talk about because I was involved with that. Faith groups, um, domestic and social um, and sexual abuse programs with limelighters. Then we're about to go. Woman, to, uh, I'm sorry we have to go to a commercial break, Donna. But are there other faith based groups that are also going in? I'd like to talk about that as soon as we come back from our commercial. Hang in there, people. Don't stop listening to us. This is a fabulous show. Thank you. 
Dr. R.C. will share extraordinary resources and services that promote educational success as well as making a difference in the lives of all social workers as well as the lives of children, adolescents, and teens of today. She will have open discussions addressing many of the issues that we face about our youth and how being employed in the uniquely skilled profession of social work for over 18 years has taught invaluable lessons through her personal experiences. She will also provide real-life facts, examples, and personal stories that will confirm that why serving as a child advocate is extremely beneficial when addressing the needs of the whole child. Listen live Saturdays, 10 a.m. Eastern on the BBM Global Network and tune in radio as Dr. R.C. will provide thought-provoking information that will empower, encourage, and strengthen students, families, and communities across our nation. You can also visit her at soarwithkatie.com. What if there were a super tiny device that could diagnose the brain and is smaller than a single human hair? What if you could see inside the brain to help an epilepsy patient during surgery or to help the fight against Parkinson's disease? Dr. Patricia Broderick is proud to announce the Broderick Probe, a biomedical and electronic breakthrough. Imagine a probe to help with the understanding and potential cure of brain-related diseases. To learn more, listen live to the Easy Sense Radio Show with host Dr. Broderick, Wednesdays, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Bold Brave Media Network and TuneIn Radio. And to help support the Broderick Foundation, please go to Easy sense.com and learn how with your help we can fight these horrific brain disorders that's easysense.com to learn more and help support the broderick foundation and why our attention matters is back and we are alive and you can call us up at 866-451-1451 if you have any questions so donna i have a burning question how yes, was the, how was the prison how did the prison how did the system get away with keeping that woman inside when she had a federal mandate to get her out because it was a federal mandate there's a big difference in our country when things are federal and when things are state and if you're in prison and you're in a state prison you are owed money you are owed restitution for the for being locked up for no reason basically for being innocent so it's huge and she will be hopefully asking for a pardon soon or um with uh, she has to ask the governor for a pardon she's not sure exactly what direction she's going to go she this month came off her seven-year parole. So she came out innocent. She was in for 28 years. She had seven years on parole, and she is now a totally free woman. But she still has a record, and that's not okay. So she wants to be, I hope, pardoned. Oh, uh, it's just so upsetting. Do they treat the men the same way as the women about all this? I believe so. I mean, if you want to talk about how people are treated in prison, I mean, I don't know if you know that when someone, um, the women make the boxer shorts for the men's prison and they get paid 
I think it starts at three or five cents an hour, and their raises are like two cents an hour. Um, I remember someone coming up to me so excited. I got a raise, I got a raise. And I said, how much did you get? She goes, five cents. And I said, well, how much do you make now? She said, oh, I make 11 cents an hour. Now, if anybody getting into prison has any um, fines that they have to pay, their 11 cents an hour is deducted. (laughs) So those fines are paid. So sometimes people go into prison and end up not, even though they're working and supposed to get paid, but they don't get the money because they owed money for whatever was the problem with them getting in the the first place. Um, The men make the clothes for the women's prison. So um, that's one way I know about men's prisons. I also know about men's prisons because my friend who was in for 33 years, um, who got out after two years and died while she was still on parole, um, was with Actors Gang. And that is with Tim Robbins has an Actors Gang prison project. And I think it started about less than 10 years ago, he finally convinced a prison to let him go in and do what they think are theater games. And um, what is so important with Actors Gang is, and especially at first they weren't allowed to bring in any props, so everything was done with just facial expressions. So this friend of mine came to me one day and and, and she said, Well, first, she was concerned about whether she'd even do it. I mean, everybody's heard of Tim Robbins, and you kind of think, yeah, if he's going to come, does he really come? Yeah, he does at first, and he did at the very beginning all the time. And he uh, he set up this amazing program. In fact, you can watch it, a documentary of it called 45 Seconds of Laughter. And... We can do 45 seconds of laughter if we have time, but that'll take 45 seconds. But what it is is that after their program ends, before everybody leaves, they have 45 seconds of laughter, even if you don't feel like laughing. And what it does is it totally shifts your mood, and it makes you happy. And what Tim Robbins' group does, what the Actors Gang do, is they do things with facial expressions. So my friend came up to me after she had been doing it for a couple of months, and she just said, what's a man look like in his facial expression when he's happy? And I kind of looked at her and I said, I don't think we're going to find one here because we're in a woman's prison. Um, And I showed her a few faces, and she said, no, I need a man. And I didn't understand why she needed that. And now she's passed on until I saw the 45 Seconds of Laughter documentary. And why you need it is now they, they put a white face on. They're allowed to bring in white paint, so everybody puts their own white face on. And the only thing that you could use to express anything that was going on uh, is your face. And they play characters, and they go, they're, they're amazing. Um, please watch 45 Seconds of Laughter. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it through Actors Gang. Um, it really gave me an understanding. What ends up happening, well, first of all, 
Tim Robbins recently said that they have a 95% revisitism rate, which means that 10% only possibly of the people who go through his program come back. That means that 95% of the people who go through his program stay out of prison. If you're educating, if you're giving people attention, Alice knows this, if you're giving people attention, they don't have to come back to prison. You're giving them skills. And Actors Gang is just amazing. Donna, what you're giving them is you're answering their core need. Uh, our need yeah. for attention is our core need. So they're 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 being attended to. They're being looked at. They're being included. They're being supported. Those are their what needs. You're also, what you're also giving with Tim Robbins' program is you're giving them um, a way to express anger, happiness, yes. to understand yes. happiness when you're locked up and you're not very happy, to right. express love, to express all kinds of expressions that you can make with your face and it changes people and it changes guards what's really interesting is i found out that with actors gangs the guards that have to stay in the inside while they're doing these programs are changed without even doing the programs and some of them at times will ask to participate especially in 45 seconds of laughter it's like contagious that's such good them, news. We need we need more of this. I got another skills. Yeah, and of course, laughter is also very healing to the body because it helps get rid of the toxic energy. But I, I got to ask you: Are there other faith groups that are doing the same work as you're doing? They're doing different things. I know of the Mormons coming in. For a long time, we had an imam who came in. We have priests we have um i met a, a lutheran man who had been who's been coming into our prison for 38 years doing programming some of them are just reading the bible i'm sure um some of the groups like i believe it's lamplighters started through some kind of faith-based thing and that's domestic and sexual abuse um some of the um uh all the religions that want to have have been involved in some way in our prison doing um prison work uh we happen to be one of the programs that um has we want to we happen to be one of the groups that's more involved and has had more programming because you know i got excited and i said i want to do this or we actually are the group that started restorative justice in our prison and I don't know if you know what restorative justice no, is. No, but please, uh, please tell us. Okay, I know that it's also being used for conflict resolution in LAUSD, in the Los Angeles school system. It's used in a lot of different places. In, it, what it is, is it, it emphasizes the importance of working with the perpetrator, the one who, who, made, who, ha, who committed the crime, and their victim. And they, but it's not just the victim, it's the victim family and the victim community to promote health, healing and encouraging reconciliation. It holds the perpetrators directly responsible and accountable to the people that they have violated. 
and to the whole community they have violated. So if you're the librarian who played, who read a book to this person's kid and they're now, they've been killed, that librarian is affected because they knew you. They knew the victim. So anybody who knows the victim is involved in the process to um, help the perpetrator, the person who committed the crime, understand the harm they have caused. And not by being punitive, not by punishing them, but through, um, I don't want to, through understanding and support and love. And I would be in groups of restorative justice with 15 murderers who I never met before. And I would do a visualization to try to get them to get a sense of their own being because I would talk to them about, I know you have to get up every morning and look yourself in the mirror and you may not like what you did, but I would take my hand and I would say, what happened to you happened in the past? And I would kind of throw it over my shoulder. That was the past and you looking yourself in the mirror are in the present. And we have to get to the point where you can look yourself in the mirror and you can love yourself. And I would take my hands out and tell everybody, everybody put your arms out and now I want you to put your arms around yourself and I want you to hug yourself. If you don't love yourself, you can't let anybody else in. If you can't forgive yourself, no matter how bad it was, and these are murderers who are in prison and not necessarily innocent. Some of them say they are, some of them may be, some of them are, but not all. And, but they have, to, they have to come to grips with some mistake they made in the past. And so we, we, we build webs where we'll have one person have their, tell a story that like I'm the one who, um, whose father was shot because of whatever and someone else will come up and put their hand on their shoulder and say, I'm that person's um, priest, and tell a story. And then someone else will put their, their hand on that person and say, I'm the librarian who read that to that person's child. And someone else will put their hand on that person and say, I'm, I'm the child. And we get to see a full picture of the whole situation and it brings some kind of an understanding that you get through all your senses. I understand. That's amazing and marvelous. They could do that out of prison, too, and it would make a big difference. I think Absolutely. we have to go to another commercial. But, boy, that's, that's good to hear. Uh, we're going to talk about volunteering like you are because there's so much good stuff that you can do. Yeah. We'll Mike Zorick, a three-time California state champion in Greco-Roman wrestling at 114 pounds. Mike, blind since birth, was born in Hartford, Connecticut. He was a six-time national placer, including two seconds, two-thirds, and two-fourths. He also won the veteran's folk-style wrestling twice at 152 pounds. In all these tournaments, he was the only blind competitor. 
Nancy Zorick, a creative spirit whose talents have taken her to the stage and into galleries and exhibitions in several states. Her father, a commercial artist who shared his instruments with his daughter and helped her fine-tune her natural abilities, influenced her decision to follow in his footsteps. Ms. Zorick has enjoyed a fruitful career doing what she loves. Listen Saturday mornings at 12 Eastern for The Nancy and Mike Show for heartwarming stories and interesting talk on the BBM Global Network. And we are live and we are back. And uh, Donna and I were just talking offline. Let's go back to the conversation that you were having about the fact that so many people don't, they aren't brought up feeling good about themselves or loving themselves. They don't know how to act about themselves and they don't have any values because their parents didn't have any values because their parents didn't have any values. So there's no way certain people could get what they needed growing up. And oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I just want to say one that, of the, oh, Yeah, go ahead. I, I was one in one of the restorative justice groups and this a woman in her... 30s or 40s said when she would tell a little bit about her story said look my mom sold me for drugs when I was nine years old how was I supposed to know any different and when we go in with some with these programs we're literally giving people um, education and nurturing that they never got growing up I mean, a lot of times people are inside the system and incarcerated because they just didn't have a childhood where they could understand what what's right and what's wrong and where they were given attention, of course, and where they were given a chance. Um, there was this one woman in a restorative justice group I was in, and she was in their 30s probably, and all of a sudden, she had this, like, aha moment. And she said, you know, I was at my board hearing, and they said to me, well, why did you bring that knife? It wasn't to butter bread. And she said she thought about that. And the first time she understood that what they were saying to her is, you obviously brought that knife to kill somebody or to harm somebody you didn't buy it you didn't bring it to whatever you were bringing it to to do something good and it took us going through different scenarios in restorative justice for her to finally get it so we see a lot of aha moments and um it's really incredibly rewarding um it's funny, my, my volunteer work, I want to be a professional volunteer. All I do is volunteer. I volunteer with immigrants. I volunteer teaching exercise in, in the pool at the YMCA when it's open. I volunteer at my, all over the place. Uh, I politically volunteer, and I love volunteering. But in prison, I had no idea what to expect at all. And when I first got there, I thought that I was going for them, and I thought that they were gonna—that I was giving them something. 
and they would be thanking us and they would say, you don't know how much this helps us and everything. And then we would tell them the effect that they have on us. And they would just shake their head and say, and we would have this argument going back and forth, who gets more out of it? Because volunteers get so much out of it. I mean, there's one volunteer group that comes into our prison that is teaching songwriting, guitars for jail or some in jail or something, I think it's called. And people come out writing these amazing songs that particular woman was a teacher of my daughter's and she had an NPR program about her work and singing some of the songs that they had written in her song class. We get so much from them just by us showing up. I mean, at first I wasn't doing any programming and I was feeling kind of like I was being kind of useless, riding out two hours to spend an hour in prison or two hours in prison or sometimes three or four hours in prison and then riding back two hours. And then one day someone came up to me and gave me a little note that just said, thank you for showing up. And I went, oh, okay. I don't have to do anything else but show up because we don't show up for prisoners. We don't show up for the immigrant. Just showing up for these people who are being marginalized, just showing up for these people who are being locked up is huge. To treat somebody, give somebody attention, treat somebody like a human being is just, I can't, I can't explain how incredible they feel. Well, you're witnessing their lives. That's what you're doing. And they get that. It makes them feel visible rather than invisible and they get that and that is a core need donna absolutely How? and not not just are we witnessing their lives we're eyewitnessing everything um but we're also giving them a skill we're giving them we're showing them how they can be productive. We're giving them something when they get out, if they should get out, that they can live a healthy, productive life on the outside. I mean, like with the UCLA Prison Education Program, which is a whole different thing um, that I'm involved in, um, we're actually giving them, we want to give them UCLA BAs, UCLA degrees. How, how is that happening? What do you do? Okay, well, it's kind of the brainchild of a pretty incredible guy who, hi, Brian, if you're listening, who's right now surviving COVID, doing better, having been um, positive, had COVID. Um, he was a guy who um, he's, I, I can't say enough amazing things about him. Um, he also worked with Actors Gang, too, but he's a hip-hop artist. He's a theater innovator. He's a spoken word master. He's a prison ed activist. He's a prison educator. He's an actor, an author, and now a professor and a wrongly imprisoned um, person who sued the NYPD and won. Um, so as, the, um, as it's been spoken of him that he's an artist who speaks truth with power. 
And when he was a second-year Harvard Law School student, he found himself, as the Village Voice explains in an article he wrote, walking while black. And he was jailed, and he was imprisoned, not for very long, but he he spent days trying to convince people that he was a Harvard Law School student, and nobody would believe him, and they even thought he was delusional. And it was like inconceivable to them um, that a Harvard Law student would be black and walking the streets of Brooklyn. And it turns out that at one of his hearings, um, the assistant DA was interrupted by a guy, by the, uh, interrupted the judge. And he said, uh, Your Honor, to avoid any potential conflict of interest, I should inform you that I know the defendant. He was in my Harvard Law School class. And that's what it took for somebody to believe that he was in Harvard Law School. I'm trying very hard not to cry. Well, there's, because, a, there's a 16 minutes on him that you can watch from 2003 or, or whatever. This happened, I think, in 2000 or 1999 or something. So he got, it, it, so it's his brainchild, and he's a professor at UCLA, and he went to my prison, and he got a, what he calls a think tank together of about, I think it ended up being just 12 women in the end, who... Would, he would come in with a, couple, with a couple of other people. I wasn't there at the very beginning. I was at, volunteering at my prison, and that's how I got involved with them. But I like to also say that I got involved with UCLA because my husband was there for 25 years studying. But um, uh, they, this think tank came up with things that they wanted to learn and things that were important to them. And he took this back to UC- to UCLA, and they had a pilot class, and I think they did an English class, and if I know correctly, uh, politics and poetry of Malcolm X class or something like that. And what it would be is 15 UCLA students would sign up for the class, and we really prepare them well. We give them orientation, and they have class on the way because it's a two-hour ride. They have class on the bus. And they go into the prison and meet, and have the actual class with the UCLA professor inside the prison or inside, we're in juvenile hall around three years now or in reentry programs. And it's just such a valuable experience for everybody in the process. It's valuable, of course, to the UCLA students because they're having an experience they could never have at UCLA because they took classes in prison and what it takes, the tolerance you have to learn and the vocabulary and the understanding of going into prison and the rules. I mean, the rules are really strict. You have to wear certain things. You have to act a certain way. You can't say certain things. You can't bring anything in. You don't even bring in your ID. You get a visitor tag. You so that it gives them amazing skills. It gives attention and caring to the women on the inside who get to have students who are usually younger than them come in and study with them. And it raises 
the people on the inside who might think they're not smart enough that they have UCLA students coming and studying with them. And a professor, a UCLA professor, teaches the class. Now, the well, homework, I, and I, there's a lot I, of challenges. I hate to interrupt, but I've got to. Just tell me the man's name, and then we'll go to another commercial break. Brian Bain. B-R-Y-O-N-N, and his last name is Bain. B-A-I-N. B as in boy, A-I-N as in Nancy. And he's a professor now at UCLA? Yes. Okay. We'll be back in a second or two. Thank you. Thank I'm just so overwhelmed with glee, really, and sadness at the same time. But that I'm hearing about this, and we're telling people who may not know anything about this, what's going on in another place. We'll be back, Don't and alive, at 866-451-1451. Don't leave us. Are you struggling to care for elderly parents or a spouse? Do you wonder if being a caregiver is making you sick? Are you worried about taking time off work to care for elderly parents and balance work, life, and caregiving? Has caregiving become exhausting and emotionally draining? Are you an aging adult who wants to remain independent, but you're not sure how? I'm Pamela D. Wilson. Join me for the Caring Generation radio show for caregivers and aging adults, Wednesday evenings, 6 Pacific, 7 Mountain, 8 Central, and 9 Eastern, where I answer these questions and share tips for managing stress, family relationships, health, well-being, and more. Podcasts and transcripts of The Caring Generation are on my website, PamelaDWilson.com, plus my caregiving library, online caregiver support programs, and programs for corporations interested in supporting working caregivers. Help, hope, and support for caregivers is here on The Caring Generation and PamelaDWilson.com. The opiate epidemic has reached crisis levels, and with so many families affected by addiction, opiate-related drug overdoses, and death, the time is now to have a real constructive conversation about addiction that could lead to better prevention, treatment, and recovery. Alan Charles, author and keynote speaker on drug abuse and prevention, presents The Alan Charles Show. Alan brings a message of hope, sharing his unbelievable story of surviving a 24-year addiction to cocaine and highlights from his memoir, Walking Out the Other Side, an addict's journey from loneliness to life. His raw honesty and courageous heart breaks the stigma of addiction and offers a unique perspective into the mind of an addict. Join Alan each week as he brings his listeners to a true understanding of the grip of addiction. It is only with this understanding that we can begin to heal. The Alan Charles Show, Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on the BBM Global Network. Donna, I want you to tell our audience what kinds of programs are around the country and how they can get involved, because as I said to you, this is a conversation about humanity and how you can make a difference. doesn't have to cost you anything. Of course, you don't get any money either, but what you get is far more energy and it just gives the the volunteers so much. Oh my! So, yeah, it's your you're on. Yeah, it gives everybody a lot. So okay, I know that through the UCLA Prison Education Program, I know Brian has been to South Africa, 
and the UK. There was something with Cambridge. Um, there's something at in New York at um, uh, Columbia. I know. In fact, Columbia was way before us. We're just starting. UCLA is a new program. Columbia's had their program going a couple of years at least. Um, I know that San Quentin has some amazing programs. There are some amazing programs. I don't know exactly how one can break in. It isn't easy to break into prison. Like, you can't just call the prison and say, do you have any program I can get involved in? I think if you find out about a program, you could probably Google um, these different universities and ask and see if you can Google that with prison. I know with UCLA that would come up. You would see our program because it's wonderful for people to get involved. And I, I know when they opened it up to UCLA, there were something like 300 course, different courses people wanted to teach and over 50 professors, or I have that wrong with the numbers. It might have even been more that People really want to do this kind of stuff. It's giving back in ways. It's nice when you volunteer that the giving back you're doing is because you're good at it and because you enjoy doing it. So if there's some, if you enjoy teaching, then you can teach the immigrants. If you enjoy teaching, you can teach the prisoners in some way. Some people can get paid for it, but most of it is volunteer work. And the, when you're volunteering, you're saving us tax dollars because they told us one time that we're, every hour we're there, we're worth at least $20, $30, $40 an hour. So we're saving this, the, the country or the world some money even, but it just feels so good. Well, we've got to start feeling better. So this is one way yeah. to do it. Yeah. Uh, talk about, um, I, I know I've, I've left so many questions open. We talked about <laughs> restorative justice. I know that. We've talked about, now, how did you happen to get in? How do people get in? Can they go through their churches or their temples or uh, there may be alumni societies. Can they ask if there's ever a, a way to get in, like you've said? Um, one of the things you can do in this world of, of this virtual world we're in is just Google prison volunteering, um, because there is some in most states. And there is, and, and even, um, uh, you can even, like we're doing with the immigrants right now during COVID, you can even write letters. That even is giving people attention. You know, being it's a little different in the prison pen pal system, but you don't have to necessarily get involved in, the, in what was once called the prison pen pal system. But that's about the only thing right now that one can do. But if you Google Actors Gang, if you Google UCLA Prison, um, you might be able to learn about some more things that are connected with it. Um, you can ask Alice, and she'll come up with ways for you to find out. Right, Alice? Yeah, right. Yep. Yep. Uh, go to my, I'll put something on my website. And my website is www.theattentionfactor.com. 
and uh, do okay. the meditation. I have a wonderful meditation there, they say. But I will look at this. But send I'll it give to you things to put on your website for sure, the resources Wonderful. for people. Because um, the more of us that can do this, first of all, I just like people to feel good. And you can feel good yourself doing it, but you're doing so much good for one human. All we have to do is help somebody one person at a time. We can change this world one person at a time. But it Absolutely. takes all of us to step up and be eyewitnesses and hear it and do it. And it doesn't that, have to take a lot to do. It, 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 you don't have to take a lot of time. You don't have to schlep the two hours that I slept to prison and the two hours I slept back or the two hours I slept to the detention centers. But there's still more that you can do even from your own home and we'll put in we'll put on Alice's website some things you can do during COVID especially because I'm really interested in everybody I'm really insisted on everybody wearing masks and staying home and doing what they have to do to be safe and, uh, and speaking of COVID it's horrible in the prison systems and in, in the jails and it's it's so scary the way it's being treated there and it's not and numbers are not, we aren't being told how many people have it, and guards are going in knowing knowing and not knowing whether they have COVID, and people people aren't being safe, and it's, it, it, it's not a, a safe environment. Do they have any medical facilities at all in prisons? They have, um, they give aspirin. <laughs> they give medicine. They have medicine lines. They have medicine. Um, when someone needs medical attention, they have to be shackled and taken to hospitals. Um, and when they're shackled and taken to hospitals, I learned an interesting little tidbit that if they go more than once to the same location, the driver drives a different way each time because they don't want them to see um, an escape route. <laughs> Not that you can escape from prison, but just in case you do, they don't want you to know the same way to get to the hospital. Uh, Donna, we have two more minutes left. Would you be willing to uh, give your phone number or your website or something else, if just in case people wanted to call you and talk about your experience? Uh, no, but I can do it through you if you're willing. <laughs> well, I'll put it on my website. Absolutely. And yes. uh, and I will definitely put resources and and, and definitely um, actors gang is something to look into. Definitely UCLA prison education program. Definitely um, restorative justice programs that are in a lot of the different prisons. These are all really important things, and these are also ways you can get in. If you um, would Google restorative justice prison, you'll find out which prisons are, are um, doing restorative justice. And we, and someone has to facilitate from the outside. They don't facilitate themselves, so uh, volunteers have to come in for things like that. And in our prison also, um, I think it's volunteers that train 
puppies and, and dogs to do service. So that's another way you definitely can get into prison. Another way is, I think it's called either guitars in prison or guitars in jail. And if you're a singer or play guitar or something, that might be a way to go in. If you are um, a certain religion, you can try your religion. Okay, we're going to have to say goodbye, but I just want to leave you with this thought. There is, There are books written already about volunteering experience. And as you said, the volunteers get much more than they ever anticipated. And it's not about money. It's about the empowerment you bring when you take yourself in and help another person to survive. I think this has been a wonderful show. Went so fast. Do you have one last word you'd like to say, Donna Malamud? So maybe next time I'll come back with somebody who's doing the work with me or who has been inside if you want. Wonderful. But please, everybody, stay safe, mask up, and uh, volunteer. Very good. Thank you very, very much. This was wonderful. And if we get 2 or 3% of the listening audience making a difference in somebody else's life because they heard our show, that's my pay. Yeah, my and they God. can also donate to any of these programs. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Okay. Well, you gave them a lot of resources, and that's what I was looking for. Stay safe and well, and thank you so much for being my guest. Listening to Attention Matters with your host, Alice Aspen March. Tune in each week as Alice will provide tools, insights, and an innovative perspective on how to consciously give and receive quality attention here on Attention Matters. You've been listening to the BBM Global Network. The ideas, views, and opinions of this broadcast are those of the participants of the program and are not necessarily the ideas, views, and opinions of the BBM Global Network Company. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.